La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Et bonjour Rugby Friends and welcome to a new edition of the French Rugby Connection podcast with moi, Véronique Landieu, a very happy Véronique and... Mike Pierce, yes, indeed, that's me. <laughs> Good heavens. And let's not forget, Mike has got some French connection too, because I believe your daughter is married to a lovely Frenchman. She is indeed, and a very lovely man he is too. In fact, um, I might marry him. He's so lovely. <laughs> so anyway, what a wonderful, wonderful weekend, you know, if you've been uh, suffering uh, in the last few years, you know, about the state of French rugby. But hey, it's, it feels good to be French again. So Six Nations won, tick. Then yeah. the Euro Cup, you know, won by Lyon. And uh, I mean, the Challenge Cup and then the Heineken Cup by by the underdog La Rochelle. Absolutely delighted for La Rochelle. Yeah, absolutely fabulous club. And uh, yeah, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend in Marseille. So tell me about your impression of watching La Rochelle, Mike. Oh, absolutely delighted for them. I mean, they've been, you know, last year they were in two finals, the top 14 final and the Champions Cup final, and they lost. But I mean, they... You know, they didn't look like they were going to lose that game, did they? They were so determined. They outmuscled Leinster. It was just a superb all-round performance. And, you know, Ronan O'Gara, using his Irish experience, um, nullified all the threats that, that Leinster had. I mean, to to reduce Leinster's not scoring any tries at all is an achievement in itself. But, uh, you know, to win that game... And to score three tries, well, you know, you can't give La Rochelle enough praise. And I think, you know, to be per to be perfectly honest, I think I think that uh, Leinster basically, you know, played the final last week when they played against Toulouse. It was a little bit like a déjà vu from um, another game that happened during the World Cup in 2019 when England played brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly against New Zealand. You know. The game after against Australia wasn't so so great yeah. because they lost the the World Cup. But they were raring to go. And what I really like about La Rochelle is that everybody, except a few people like me, uh -uh, I did predict their success. They were underdogs. Everybody thought that oh, Leinster yeah. for yeah. Leinster would be like a walk in a park due to their brilliant performance the week before because they've been on very good form as well. Yeah. And, you know, Leinster, Leinster didn't play badly. That was the thing. It was just the fact that La Rochelle had such a good game plan. They played so well. You know, it was a three-point victory. But, you know, you have to say, La Rochelle was, were outstanding. It's probably the best game of rugby uh, tactically I've ever seen them play. They were absolutely superb. And Ronan Ogar as well, you know, really made sure of his between bracket les gros <laughs> that means the the fat the big guys you know so it is yeah. really really went for it because i remember the first try was called by rule after 10 minutes superb and you know a higher west uh, as we mentioned has been unreliable in previous finals he kicked you know all his goals which which, which was the difference again you know 
a year ago, he missed a few kicks and they lost. So, you know, it's fine margins. But yeah, the big boys played well. Will Skelton, who's hardly played any rugby lately, he put in an immense performance, played the whole game. Greg Aldrich, as always, you know, main ball carrier, fabulous. And yeah, you know, from one to 23, they were, they were absolutely incredible. And they had 61% possession to Leinster's 39. Well, that's, that's a big, big, big stat. Absolutely. And why do you think Leinster was shaken up during that game? I, mean, I think La Rochelle just basically, they didn't give them room on the gain line. They, they were immense at, at, at rucks and malls. You know, the, the line out and scrum went really well. And I think they just suffocated them. You know, they didn't they didn't really look like scoring a try, did they? Lens on it seems a long time ago now, I'm trying to recall. But uh, you know, and I think to be honest, they were lucky they didn't get a yellow cards in that last ten minutes because I don't know how many penalties um they gave away close to the uh, close to the try line, which which I was really surprised that Wayne Barnes didn't give a yellow. I was extremely surprised as well. So was it yeah. a, was it an off day for Wayne Barnes? You think, or did he want maybe to let the game, you know, flow to its conclusion? But yes, it was noticed by uh, by yeah. a few pundits as well. I think as well, referees are slightly reluctant to to have the match outcome resting on a yellow card. But at the same time, you know, Wayne Barnes is usually pretty clinical in that department but I mean otherwise superb game and you know his French you probably noticed this his French is just getting better and better isn't it definitely and let's not forget you know that uh, La Rochelle eight years ago was still in the Pro D2 and Pro D2 just for some of our listeners who don't know what Pro D2 is is the lower professional league yeah so the second division yeah of French rugby yeah that is correct so well done to Vincent Merding the owner of the club who really really you uh, know, invested into La Rochelle and look at them. You know, from an emotional point of view, I loved, absolutely loved seeing, you know, Greg Aldrich finally lifting that trophy yeah. because last year uh, I was very close. I was in Twickenham. I was very close to the pitch. And I remember seeing completely heartbroken in pieces, yeah. in yeah. tears for about 20 minutes, uh, sitting on the pitch and being comforted by by his teammate and also by, by Antoine Dupont. And if we look back at how La Rochelle performed in the top 14 uh, at the beginning last year, they were, they were, it was kind of a shaky start for them. I remember they kept losing at the beginning yeah. and, and so on. And uh, in the top 14, they are, yeah, they are in the top six, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And they've had, they had a slow start, didn't they, to the, to the top 14 season. And you know maybe that's a hangover from the defeats in the finals, but but you know they're they're hitting form at just the right time now, aren't they? That's for sure. You know what? They remind us again. So the déjà vu is incredible. How <laughs> there are some déjà vu in rugby, but they remind me of La Saracen when they lost in the in yeah. 2014 when they lost not only the European Cup in Cardiff against Toulon. But also only just, only just, you know, lost against Northampton in yeah. Twickenham, and they really had to digest, absorb their defeat. And the year after, you know, they won their 
the premiership. Well done to La Rochelle. And I think some fans stayed until four o'clock in the morning <laughs> to welcome them at the airport and the celebration. I think they were they happened in the Le Vieux Port in La Rochelle in front of 35,000 supporters. So it was absolutely ma- yeah. amazing. So the other game as well, the Challenge Cup, Lyon versus Toulon. The same happened. The underdog won. I think Toulon were in form, but they're, they're pretty close, weren't they, in, in the top 14? Um, Lyon, uh, eighth. Uh, Toulon, seventh. But yeah, very di- a bit of a disappointing game, wasn't it? And, and Toulon certainly didn't play very well. Uh, but I was impressed with the way Lyon came out straight away. They they played at a pace from the first minute. They, they had a try disallowed, didn't they, after, after the first couple of minutes? And then um, Baptiste Couloud, who had an incredible game, got a try in the eighth minute. And, uh, yeah, that set the tone and, and really, you know, they kept that pace up. Once again, they had only had 42% possession. But, uh, yeah, Leon just didn't seem to click from them. They played so well the week before against Saracens. You mean uh, Toulon? Yeah, sorry, Toulon really didn't get going and they played so well the, the previous week against Saracens uh, in the semi-final. You think, well, it just didn't work for them, did it? Again, maybe they over-exhausted themselves and maybe they played the final against Saracens because they were... Yeah, it was an absolutely uh, really, really good game from, from Toulon. But what I mean is that Lyon never, ever won a trophy. Last no, time they won no. a trophy was in 1933. Would you believe that? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> And let's not forget, Toulon won four times, but they also lost four times. You know, they never won the Challenge Cup, but they've got uh, four stars on their jersey. Yeah. So they were experienced, but obviously it was a while ago. What was the final score between uh, Lyon versus Toulon? It was 30 points to 12 to, to Lyon. Uh, there were tries for Kulu. There was a penalty try. Barassi got a try. I mean, uh, Toulon got tries from Batty Serran and Colby on the 74th minute. But I tell you, impressed me was the Lyon winger, David Niniashvili. You know, a young lad, he carried 187 metres three offloads, beat 10 defenders and got a try as well. So a try that was disallowed, unfortunately. But yeah, he had a cracking game and uh, yes, thoroughly deserved Leon. And, and, you know, nice to see a, a new name on the trophy. Definitely, definitely. Just La Rochelle, two virgins, you know, finally yeah. got married, cracked their cherries. And <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, yeah, absolutely amazing, amazing, uh, phenomenal, you know, European weekend, especially if you are French, you know. So it tells a lot how fresh and um, how good the, the, the rugby is. And let's not forget if you're a Saracens fan, because I'm a Saracens fan, you know, in the winning team. So you mentioned Will Skelton. And he was, like you said, you know, he hasn't played for a while and he played a full 80 games. And in the last five minutes, he was there. He was very pivotal, you know, helping his teammates to bag that try. And Joel Poku as well in Lyon, who left Saracen just a few months ago, who was absolutely over the moon, you know, to win with, with Lyon. Excellent. So there were a little bit of inclu- English influence there. Yeah, I thought you'd drag some Saracens ex players <laughs> into it somehow. <laughs> yeah. 
So Heineken Cup and Challenge Cup, that's it. Don't endorse it. Yes. Yeah. Let's go back to top 14 because guess what? Lyon will have a game against La Rochelle in the final weekend. And, you know, it's all to play for, isn't it? Yeah, you wonder if La Rochelle, you know, that will take a lot out of them emotionally, that game. And, of course, the celebrations. And, and you know, it's, it's it's well known with teams to to reach that physical and mental peak two weeks in a row is difficult to do. So it'll be very interesting to see how, how La Rochelle get on at Lyon. And, of course, the other shooter, if you like, is Racing at home to Toulon. You know, the winners of that have got a chance of going through. It's so tight at the top, going through to the to the barrage. But, as, you know, the top three, Montpellier, Bordeaux and Castra, they're all guaranteed a place, either in the automatically in the semi-finals or in the barrage. Uh, to lose... I've probably got the best chance. They face Pepignon at home, so you can pretty much say that's a win for Toulouse. So they're the, probably the fourth team. And then there's two qualifiers from Racing, La Rochelle, Toulon or Lyon. So, you know, I don't think there's ever been uh, a season, certainly that I can remember, where so much is at stake on, on the final weekend. And it makes the top 14 such an exciting competition oh. to watch. It's a pity we can't watch all the time, you know, games. Hopefully, Premier Sport is going to broadcast some in real time this time. Yeah, and- absolutely. But uh, to, to go through this weekend's games, Claremont, who are ninth, they play Montpellier, who are first. Lyon, as we mentioned, in eighth place, they face La Rochelle. Racing, 92, they face Toulon. Poe. They're at home to Cast, Stade Francais at home to Breve, Toulouse at home to Biarritz, and Pepignon are at home to bordeaux Bergle. Excellent. And just for some of our listeners who don't know what a barrage is, what is a barrage? Basically, it's a, a playoff of the, the teams that come third, fourth, fifth, and sixth in the table. They play two games, and the winners of those two games go through to the semi-finals, where they play the teams who came first and second in the top fourteen. If that's if that's that's complicated enough, <laughs> that's perfect. Basically, barrage is a playoff. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you for this. <laughs> So, Mike, do you have any rugby news for us? Well, no, not really. I think it's all been reflecting on the marvellous weekend in Marseille, hasn't it? I mean, what a what a great weekend, wonderful weather. You know, it's a wonderful stadium there, the Velodrome. You know, you can see the mountains through the back of the stands. I think it was 70-odd degrees at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, it's fabulous. Okay. Well, I've got some news for you. Hot of the press, it has been announced just now that Mathieu Bastaro yeah. is going to leave uh, Lyon after three years. Okay. So, uh, and he has reached the 
probably the twilight of his career as well. So Yeah, and his wife gave birth to a baby daughter the day before yesterday. All right, okay. <laughs> if you want to know the latest news of private yeah, life, we'll get all between us, yeah. <laughs> please listen to the French rugby connections. You never know what you might hear. Yeah. Births, well, marriages, deaths, everything, the whole lot. Well, if Mathieu listened to us, because I think uh, you dedicated a chapter in your book, yes. the, the Blues Brothers, to Mathieu. So we wish him all the best, you know. Yeah, good luck the, for all with, those sleepless nights you're going to get. Uh, it's not his first one. I think he's probably no. had a few before. But another thing is that uh, another player who played for Les Bleus and who played right now for Stade Francais has decided to retire. Johan Maestri. Yeah, great player, great servant. Yeah, he's and, uh, done yes. some damage. He was selected 70, 65 times to play for the French rugby national team. So we wish okay. him all the Some... best. So, French lesson, Mike. Oh, what do you mean? It's half term, surely not. <laughs> never, never. Every okay. day is a school day. So after the game, you probably notice as well that uh, poor Greg Altrich, you know, played such a hard and intense yeah. game. Well, well, like all the players in, Lyon, yes. uh, in, in La Rochelle as well. Absolutely. But uh, you could see that he got uh, a black eye. So how I do could. Say, how do you say a black eye in French? Well, I know I and I know black, so I'm going to stick them both together and say les yeux noirs. No, it's very, very difficult. I'm being very cruel, but you call it un Un cocard. C-O-Q-U-A-R-D. I had a really, really conversation with uh, Eric Chon. Oh, wow. Such a nice guy for our um, listeners. So who is uh, Eric Chon? Well, he was born on the 8th of June, 1962. He played for, for Toulon yeah. and became the owner of Toulon as well before Morat took over. He was capped 42 times and he played as flanker. And he won the Grand Slam 1987 and was in that quarter final in 1991 against England. <laughs> <laughs> and his nom de guerre, his war name was The Godfather. I only had half an hour with him, but he was so kind. You know, I spent an hour with him. And I have to say a big, big, big thank you to Tom Dixon, who was very kind to be the translator. Brilliant. For, oh, for let's hear Eric. it. Let's hear yeah. it. Yeah. Have you had any offer from English club to play? Philippe Sella went to Saracen as well as Abdel Benazi. Alors, déjà, j'en ai eu aucune, mais c'est parce qu'il devait penser que j'étais trop con pour jouer avec eux. Peut-être pas assez bon. Pas. 
Je me souviens simplement d'un déplacement magnifique à Basse, puisque nous, nous avions été champions de France avec Toulon. Basse avait été champion d'Angleterre. Et il nous avait invités à faire un match à Basse, ville magnifique. Hein, J'ai le souvenir de cette ville. Très belle, très très belle. Et, et donc voilà, donc j'ai n'ai pas eu de... De, de propositions, parce qu'avant, dans le rugby que j'ai joué, moi, il voilà, n'y avait pas d'argent, donc on, on, on jouait. Philippe, c'est là, est parti en Angleterre euh, quand le rugby est devenu professionnel. Mm -hmm. et, et moi, je, je me suis arrêté parce que je me suis blessé grièvement. Et, et ensuite, j'avais commencé à entamer une carrière professionnelle très intense. Et j'ai fait le choix de, de, voilà, plutôt de la carrière professionnelle plutôt que de la carrière sportive après moi. No, I didn't receive any offers. They, they didn't approach me, maybe because they knew I wouldn't be great playing in England, uh, but I was tied to Toulon emotionally. In those days, you didn't meet many UK club teams because the European Cup didn't exist, but we did have a friendly match, I remember, against Bath when they had won their championship and Toulon had won ours. Great memories, it's a lovely team and a lovely time. No, there were no propositions at all from English clubs, but at the time, the amateur period, there weren't really. Philippe Seller was one of the first to go to England, but that coincided with the beginning of the professional period. So I remain a one-club man. Brilliant. So, Eric, so you played in two World Cups. In 1987 yes. and in 1991. In 1987, yes. France was finalist against New Zealand. Yes. Which World Cup do you keep the best memory of? Vous savez, je, je, souvent les gens posent cette question. Je ne veux pas m'échapper pour répondre parce que... Mais d'abord, mon meilleur souvenir, c'est d'avoir joué au rugby. Je, vous l'avez compris J'aurais pu prendre des chemins sportifs, hein, je parle bien sportifs, hein, différents. J'aurais pu continuer à l'athlétisme. J'aurais pu euh, peut-être décider d'aller faire la, 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 d'aller apprendre la voile de compétition avec Tabarly et faire le tour du monde en bateau. J'ai choisi le rugby et, et ma grande chance, c'est d'avoir joué. Et moi, après, ça vous jouez dans une équipe. Euh, comme l'équipe de France de 87 ou de 91, puisqu'on avait gagné, je crois, à partir des années 85, on avait joué, on avait gagné cinq tournois d'affilée dans les grands chelem. Avec Toulon, j'avais fait quatre finales du championnat de France, on avait gagné deux fois le titre. Vous faites partie des gâtés parmi les gâtés. Vous comprenez ça, Véronique Oui. Le terme gâté parmi les gâtés. Donc il est difficile de, de dire des choses pour moi. Après, c'est vrai que la demi-finale de la Coupe du Monde 87 avec l'essai du bout du monde de magicienne Serge Blanco. Je, moi, j'ai jamais vu un match de rugby que j'ai joué. Jamais. Ah bon jamais. jamais. Mais quelquefois, ils me viennent des brides comme ça, on me montre des, 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 des brides. Et c'est vrai que cet essai du bout du monde de Serge Blanco, euh, oui, ça reste quand même quelque chose d'exceptionnel. Et puis après, là, moi, je la, la la Coupe du Monde 87, bien sûr, on fait la finale. Je la vois un peu comme une notion de pionnier. J'ai trouvé que pour le rugby, moi, si j'ai un, un vrai orgueil de, 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 par rapport à la Coupe du Monde, c'est bien sûr d'être allé en finale, malheureusement de ne pas l'avoir gagné, mais d'avoir participé au, voilà, au pionnier et, et d'avoir lancé ce truc mondial qui est maintenant une fête extraordinaire. Donc ça, c'est 
Ça, je trouve que c'est un vrai, c'est quelque chose de très fort pour moi. Ok. I'm often asked this, Veronique, and it's difficult to answer because the first thing, number one, that I'm happiest about is purely having played rugby. Not gone sailing, not done other things, but having uh, chosen to play rugby, everything comes from that. I could have been doing something else, but rugby was the one. And once you're in a team, winning five tournaments on a row, winning top 14 left and right, you're, you're spoiled, you're in the habit of, of winning. So going to the World Cup was just a natural progression. Of course, I'll never forget the semi-final of the 87 World Cup where Serge Blanco produced the try of rugby's history coming from what the French call the other side of the world. It was a great try. Funny enough, I've never watched myself play rugby. I've never watched a match I was in, but you can't avoid clips of this wonderful try uh, wherever you go. And I see it frequently and it's, it's always amazing. From a point of view of pride, being in the final of, of 87, of course, was a great achievement, but actually even in participating in the World Cup, given what it has become as a ma magnificent festival of rugby, I was very happy to be part of that. Was there a, a player that you really admire when you were playing rugby? Benoît Dougas, Panguero, André Boniface, et bien sûr Guy, qui malheureusement est décédé dramatiquement, vous pouvez connaître cette histoire-là. Ce joueur s'appelait André Rero. Rero, il était toulonnais, c'était un très grand joueur, c'est toujours, elle est toujours en vie. Et ça a été le monsieur qui, moi, m'a mis des équipes de jeunes de Toulon en première division, dans l'équipe, dans la grande équipe de Toulon. Et, et quand j'étais tout petit, son jeu, son attitude, sa façon d'être m'inspirait beaucoup. D'accord. Voilà. Et, euh, donc ça reste pour moi une, une référence. As I said, as a young player, I came up through the training academy of Toulon, so I knew all these superheroes, uh, Spongero, Boniface, for example, but the one that sticks in my mind as the most inspiring player was André Herrero, uh, who was a great player and a wonderful mentor to me. And he was the brother of Daniel Herrero that everybody knows, the one who's got long hair and the bandana. <laughs> That, uh, so uh, let's talk about uh, the, the French team now. Is there a, a player in the French team that you say, "Wow, I, you know, I'm impressed by him," or, or maybe no, more than one? Oui, oui, parce que parce que euh, moi je crois aux générations de, de, de rugbyman et, et si on a perdu en 91, c'est que la génération anglaise était meilleure que la nôtre. Enfin, voilà, il n'y a pas de il a pas d'explication. C'est ceux qui gagnent qui ont raison. Et nous, pendant de, 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 les 10, 15 dernières années, on a été en difficulté euh, en équipe de France, hein, on ne gagnait plus. On était même classé au niveau mondial assez loin. Hein, voilà. Alors on s'est expliqué un certain nombre de choses, mais il n'y a pas d'explication à voir. Encore une fois, c'est ceux qui gagnent qui ont raison. Je crois qu'on est sur une, une très belle génération de, de joueurs. Et, et comme moi, quand j'ai joué, on était une très bonne équipe. Et on avait, on avait Cela et on avait Blanco. Et, et, euh, et, et ça, ça nous faisait presque une équipe imbattable. Et, et aujourd'hui, je crois que l'équipe de France a, a, a plusieurs joueurs, dont un qui m'inspire totalement, qui me plaît énormément, qui s'appelle Dupont, Antoine Dupont. Et alors, je dis pas ça par rapport à la Vox Populi. Moi, vous l'avez compris, vous l'avez souligné, d'ailleurs, j'ai gardé avec l'Ovidi. 
Et j'ai grandi avec le rugby des années 70. Et je suis passionné du jeu des, des Gallois des années 70, mais passionné, vous ne pouvez pas savoir le, le nombre de, de, de matchs que je regardais quand j'étais petit de ces Gallois. Et bien sûr, il y avait Carreté Noir, il y avait Phil Bennett, il y avait, je ne me souviens plus de leur orbite avec un bandeau, je crois malheureusement qu'il est décédé. Et, et, et quel amour j'ai eu pour ces joueurs, parce que c'est réellement, quand on parle de jeu moderne, même en, en, même en 2022, en 2023, il faut, il, il faut regarder le jeu des Gallois dans les années 70, et avec un génie qui s'appelle Gareth Edwards, et je trouve qu'Antoine Dupont ressemble, mais incroyable. Depuis, depuis ces années-là, je n'ai pas vu un demi mêlé comme ça, et je suis ravi qu'il ne soit pas anglais et qu'il soit français. <rire> That's wonderful, that's wonderful. And you played, you know, obviously Dupont, Antoine Dupont was voted as the best rugby player in the world. But uh, the same thing happened to one of your teammates whose name was Fabien Galtier and you played with him in 1991 as well. So did you think when you were playing with Fabien Galtier that not only was a very, very good scrum half, but also he will end up maybe becoming the coach of the French rugby team. Je vais faire un pied de nez à ces fameux classements. Moi, quand je jouais, il m'était plutôt favorable. C'est pour ça que j'en parlais aisément. Je, au, au rugby, il est toujours difficile et délicat de donner des notes, le joueur du match, et ainsi de suite. Même si, encore une fois, je, je peux me permettre de dire ça, parce que quand j'ai joué, j'ai été plutôt récompensé, je ne sais pas pourquoi, les gens m'ont apprécié sûrement mon jeu et me donnaient plutôt ce qu'on appelait des bonnes notes. Mais on dépend tellement des autres qu'il est toujours difficile, délicat d'extraire aujourd'hui. Maintenant, les médias, la communication, ça fait qu'on a besoin de trouver, de classer entre les choses. Et bon, je suis ravi que, que, que Antoine soit nommé euh, meilleur joueur du monde. Il le mérite, mais il y a tout un ensemble aussi qui fait qu'on en arrive là. Pour revenir à Fabien Galtier, oui, bon, j'ai été ravi de l'accueillir en 1991, puisqu'il c'était un bébé. Maintenant, nous, on était un peu plus âgés dans, dans, dans notre équipe. C'était incontestablement un très bon joueur, avec du talent, avec un potentiel énorme qu'il a montré. Et voilà. Et d'ailleurs, aussi, une petite anecdote, parce que ce qui intéresse les gens, c'est aussi des anecdotes, c'est que le fait d'avoir mis 
Fabien Galtier, parce que moi j'étais vice-capitaine de l'équipe de France, quand il y a Serge Blancourt, c'est lui qui doit être capitaine, c'est personne d'autre. Et, et donc j'étais vice-capitaine et c'est nous qui avons, qui avons pris euh, euh, Fabien Galtier à la place de Berbizier. Et, et Berbizier, après la Coupe du Monde, pour des raisons enfin, que nous connaissez, euh, est devenu entraîneur de l'équipe de France et comme on ne l'avait pas pris, nous a viré. Donc le fait de le prendre, ça a été une grande chance pour lui. Nous, on était ravis parce que c'était un bon joueur. Sauf que Berbizier s'est un peu vengé et nous a sorti de l'équipe de France. <rire> <rire> Parce qu'on ne l'avait pas sélectionné. Et la vie, c'est comme ça. Et, et euh, voilà, on est quand même devenus des hommes et tout s'est bien passé. Quoi. <rire> Fabien était un grand joueur et c'était génial de jouer avec lui. Mais ne prenez pas trop de notice de ces scores et des titres que les gens ont. Nous sommes un team. Nous sommes comme des magnets. Le succès attire plus de succès. Et vous êtes tous dépendants sur ceux autour de vous. It's not to say, obviously, Antoine doesn't deserve it. Uh, he, he, I don't want to take anything away from his brilliance. But Fabian was a youngster. We knew straight away he was good. And at one point after the World Cup, I was vice-captain and Serge Bianco was captain. And we took the decision to drop Berbizier in favour of Fabian Gauthier as our winner. Berbizier went off, as everyone knows, to be the trainer of the French national team. And the first thing he did to get his revenge was to drop me and Serge Blanco. C'est la vie, c'est la vie. Ok, et finalement, j'ai deux questions et on va s'arrêter. C'est, euh, ok, est-ce que euh, la France 2022, euh, 2023, est-ce que c'est bon d'après vous Elle vous optimiste comme la plupart des gens Are you, How do you feel about France, you know, winning the World Cup Are you optimistic as well or do you think it might be... Oh, it be so time lucky. Est-ce qu'on va finalement pouvoir gagner Alors, euh, euh, vous l'avez compris, le, les, les rugbyman sont des gens de cœur. Cœur est primordial hein, dans le rugby. Et je vous l'ai dit tout à l'heure, on a laissé gagner les Anglais en 1991, puisque la, la finale était à Twickenham. <rire> et, et, et donc, on espère que, que maintenant, depuis 1987, je crois que ça fait 35 ans, ça fera 36 ans pour le moment de la, de, la, de la prochaine Coupe du Monde. L'ensemble de la planète rugby, sera tout, tout le monde sera d'accord pour que la France soit championne. Donc, donc voilà, j'espère qu'on le sera. Pour être un peu plus sérieux, toutes les grandes nations de rugby ont été championnes du monde. Hein. Je pense aux Sud-Africains, je pense aux Blacks, je pense bien sûr aux Anglais, je pense aux Australiens. Euh, on est quelques nations, euh, non pas, enfin, à ne pas l'avoir été. Il euh, y a bien sûr les Gallois, les, les Irlandais, les Écossais, euh, nous-mêmes. Enfin, je, je crois qu'on a une génération, nous, en France, et quelques joueurs d'exception, pour pouvoir prétendre à ça, mais le dire, en plus à, à 50 ans hors taxe, c'est facile. Le faire, c'est plus compliqué. <rire> Et on l'espère. Finger cross. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in, in rugby, the heart is everything. And so it's easy to be optimistic. All the planet rugby would take a French victory. Everyone appreciates the rugby we're playing. And also, all the big rugby nations have been rugby World Cup winners. 
and the time is coming for France. We have the right exceptional players. It can happen. Et je, je vais, I'm going to ask you a question about Johnny Wickinson. I've invited a few times, you know, Johnny Wickinson via my connection to my podcast. So I keep my finger crossed, maybe one day. But which impact did he leave in Toulon? Je pense que vous avez tout dit. Vous avez tout dit. C'est la, la, la grande capacité des, des champions comme il est. Euh, il avait été champion du monde. Il avait été anobli, je crois, dans la foulée de ça. C'est un roi. Il a eu cette capacité à un moment donné à, à, à tout remettre en jeu. Il aurait pu continuer sur un chemin entre guillemets plus facile. Il a accepté parce que ça, c'est les, les, les champions, c'est les compétiteurs. Il a accepté à un moment donné de se remettre dans la difficulté parce que le rugby, c'est difficile. Et, et il avait tellement de talent. Pourquoi parler au passé d'ailleurs Il a tellement de talent que, que en remettant tout ça en route, en mettant autour de lui aussi une équipe qui, soit, qui ait la capacité de, de, de le mettre en avant, c'était une certitude qu'un joueur comme lui euh, euh, fasse chavirer Toulon. Et, et je veux dire, il a, il a fait chavirer Toulon, et, et les cœurs de Toulon, et les, le, le, le succès de Toulon. Quoi. Voilà. Mais moi, je me souviens toujours, je me souviens bien sûr des, 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 des grandes finales qu'il a fait gagner à Toulon, mais je me souviens surtout de la grande finale qu'il a fait gagner à l'Angleterre avec ce fameux grand, qui reste pour moi, en tant que troisième ligne, euh, euh, une cible, une cible. <rire> Dans notre métier, c'était d'attraper les troisième les, les, les ouvertures. <rire> ok, Johnny Wilkinson didn't just have an impact on Toulon, he had an impact on the whole rugby planet. He was a great champion to, to come and join us out after the Rugby World Cup victory. He could have taken it easy, but he chose to reinvent himself starting again in France. And as you know, he quickly became the absolute heart of the team, um, particularly in great finals, where he took the centre stage. Of course, I remember is renowned for his drop goal expertise uh, as a third line uh, player. I just remember that it was my job to go and knock out the drop goal kickers. So there's friendly rivalry of positions. But he was great in two. Maybe one day he might be back in the rugby world. Raina is very invested into doing some really, really good podcasts as well. I have a few quotes that I got from Brothers in Arms, from the wonderful book by David Beresford. So, for instance, Sean Fitzpatrick said, Sean was one of my toughest opponents. Sean a été un de mes adversaires les plus redoutables. Et puis Daniel Herrero, <laughs> a dit Sean was a big character a fighter who could be very hard on the pitch Sean vous étiez uh, vous étiez très dur uh, ça c'est à, à cause de Toulon à cause de Toulon Patrick Estève disait brave and hard he was a great player a real warrior I have to say it was a pleasure to speak to you Eric So, rugby friends, I hope you enjoyed our chat on the French Rugby Connection podcast. Yes, I hope you did. And I hope you uh, you may not have heard, but um, 
Veronique actually tipped La Rochelle. She may not have mentioned it. I did. I you, you saw if you follow me on Twitter, yes, I did frankly to win. It was, on the, it was on the news at 10. It's been mentioned so many times. Actually, I was interviewed on the BBC um, to provide my point of view regarding the Euro- European Cup. So Rugby France, I hope you have a lovely weekend. You enjoy the Jubilee, that great long Jubilee weekend if you are in England. And have a great weekend in the rest of the world. Absolutely. Catch you next week, everybody. Au revoir. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum Tout avec lui dit boum Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille